Happy New Year's, everyone. Happy New Year. Guys, I got it right. I said Merry Christmas all the times this last year that I was supposed to say Merry Christmas. And now I said Happy New Year on the time that I'm actually supposed to say that. That is an accomplishment for me. New Year's resolution achieved. Mm, take it. You, you take the ones where you can get them, you know? Okay. Um, so before we get into the message this evening, I just wanted to address uh, COVID realities just for a quick moment um, and do it as simply as this. Um, three things. Uh, the first is we um, are going to continue to ask if you do you have any COVID um, symptoms or you've been exposing with COVID, we would just simply ask that you tune in online um, from our gatherings just for that five-day quarantine period or whatever, just, um, just for the health and safety of everyone, especially with the reality that we have so many cast members in the room and we would hate for people to miss additional days of work that they don't have to. Um, the second thing with that is um, we are continuing to say mass recommended here for gatherings and for in-person events. Um, and that leads to the third thing, um, which is the, uh, the mandatory thing, which is Jesus' call to submit to, to unity in the body. So that wherever we land on any of these things, on any of the COVID realities, the same thing still applies, that we are called to live in unity with one another in the body of Christ, to not hold contempt against one another, to not stand in judgment of one another um, in non-essentials, but instead stand in unity and love with one another. Um, that is simply the call of the gospel, period. Uh, and that is something that we want to desire to continue to grow into. It's, some, it's an ideal that none of us are going to live in perfectly, but it's still the one that Jesus seems to go harp on over and over and over again, as well as Paul when he writes letters. It's all over the New Testament. Um, see the appendix on church unity. It's all there. Uh, and it's actually Jesus' prayer for you and for me is that we would live as one. So let's um, continue to do that in all of the realities that circle around us in our world and in our culture. Sound good? Cool. All right. So with that, let's go ahead and journey into our message for the evening. We are, uh, we are entering into a, a special Sunday tonight. This is a regular rhythm that we engage in here at Mosaic at WW on an annual basis where we refocus our gaze on Jesus with a particular vision for the year that will draw us both as individuals and as a biblical community together into what he desires to do in us and through us. So this year, our simple vision is simply to turn the page, to turn the page. Now, if you are a reader, oh, turning the page. Yeah, like that, turning the page. We turn the page on the slide. Uh, if you are a reader like me, especially with physical books, there is a certain level of gratification that you get when you turn a page, right? Do you know what I'm talking about? When you're like making your way through a good book, you're like, yes, next page, next page, next page. And you're just consuming the story or biography or science textbook, I don't know, whatever you guys are reading these days. Uh, but like, as you're reading, you're just like, yes. And then you get to the back cover and you're like, that was good. There's a certain level of gratification to that, right? I also read on my Kindle list and audiobooks. It's not the same when you're listening to an audiobook. I don't know where the page turns are in an audiobook. So uh, now, now imagine being stuck on a page. You have a physical book and you are unable to flip from one page to the next. It's like there's a magic spell cast on the book you're reading and you're unable to turn the page to find out what happens next to see where the author is trying to carry you forward into. Wouldn't that be so frustrating? I mean, that, that's probably never happened to a single person ever because we don't have magic spells that keep books from turning to the next page. But like, that would be really frustrating, I would imagine, right? Now, 
when you think about it in our everyday lives, though, in our everyday story, do you ever find it difficult to imagine the story of your life flipping to the next page? Like, it's like, like you're stuck and nobody likes to be stuck, right? Like that's one of those words that, that we just dislike. Like none of us like to feel stuck in life. Especially, so when we read books, when we listen to podcasts, when we watch TV shows or movies, when, transform, when that moment of transformation occurs, we rejoice, either whether it's literal or metaphorical, the page turns, you see the story progress and you rejoice and you're drawn into that story. This is why we rejoice when the, when the beast turns into a prince, right? Or if you are, uh, if you're like watching Magnolia TV or whatever and Chip and Joanna Gaines take like some terrible house that is fit for dem- demolition and all of a sudden within an episode of 20 minutes, all of a sudden it is like a farmhouse dream home. You're like, wow, that's awesome, right? Because we love to see a story progress. We love to see the page turn. We like to see things move, preferably in a helpful situation. But oftentimes it feels like that is reserved for, story, for fairy tales or the life of someone else. In my life, I, some, I often feel frustrated when it doesn't feel like I'm, especially when I'm growing. Like I want to grow in so many areas in my life and it feels like I'm stuck sometimes. I think about um, particular uh, this weekend, I've been thinking about patience and, uh, and I, I really, I want to grow in patience. I would love to grow in patience. And then, and then Allie goes to work over the weekend and now the kids outnumber me two to one and, and Abby is standing there and Asher barrels through her on, unintentionally and she starts crying and then he hits the floor. So now he's crying and both of them are crying. And it reminds me of something I, I just heard Nick Saban say. Um, he's, he was asked if he um, loses his patience and he says, I don't lose my patience. I just don't have any. And I was like, oh yeah, like that. Like that's how I feel sometimes. There we go. Um, <laughs> it feels like it's hard to turn the page. Like transformation is reserved for fairy tales or the life of somebody else. So in the dailiness of your life, do you ever imagine it difficult to turn the page? Do you ever feel that terrible word stuck? Do you feel stuck right now? Like even the thought of a New Year's resolution, you're like, I am 10 for 10 on the last decade on not fulfilling my New Year's resolution. <laughs> like, stuck. I mean, look at our world around us. Omicron, guys. Like, this is the third year of the pandemic. It decided to enter into 2022 with us. Like, stuck. <laughs> Will we ever turn the page? Now, our central passage for our vision for this year comes from the book of Philippians, uh, Philippians 3, verses 12 through 16. Now, feel free to go ahead and flip there in your Bible. If you happen to have one of the mosaic beautiful blues, you're on page 1085. If you're on a digital version, we're in the English standard version. If we want to all read along in the same translation. Now, this book, we've just been through our Christmas series, our Advent series, uh, and we have been in the book of Philippians, though, for the last part of the last year. 
And as we've been in there, I want to bring some context as we are about to jump back into Philippians. So Paul, the author of this letter, has been under house arrest, and he is writing, and he is in the middle of Rome, the belly of the beast, and he is writing to a church that he loves deeply. His heart is with them. They are his gospel partners, and he is their gospel partner. Like, they are together in heart and in spirit. He longs to be with them, but he is in prison. So we're going to jump in tonight is a particular point where he is, he is going to say some things that are meant to give them hope. But the, the example that he's going to use is his own story as an example. You see where he has just been in this passage in chapter three, as he has just been talking about his story, specifically his story before knowing Jesus. If there was ever somebody's story where you're like, man, that guy's story is just tracking. Like it is just moving along like a good novel. It was Paul's. He's like, my life was pretty swell. He says, I kept the law, God's law better than everyone else. I came from the right family. I had the right education. I had the right status in the society that I found myself in. I, I had it together from the world's perspective. But he goes on to say that all of it, he now considers to be worthless compared to knowing Jesus. And he's not just being metaphorical. He is literally, because of his allegiance to Jesus, he has lost respect of the Jewish world. Because of his allegiance to Jesus, he has lost familial connections. Because of his allegiance to Jesus, he is now imprisoned and losing his personal freedoms. In the world's eyes, he is now stuck. But what he is going to get at is no, before I was stuck and now I am free. Now my life is tracking. While the world might think I'm stuck now, no, that was when I was stuck. Now I am free. And it's worth it to Paul because to Paul, Jesus is worth everything. There is not a single thing about his life that he's not like, I don't know if Jesus is worth that. Like my big screen TV, I don't know if following Jesus is worth handing that one over. Like, no, everything is worth it to Jesus. For Paul, Jesus is worth it all. But this page doesn't turn easily. In fact, what Paul wants is for them to know that, that he is still growing in this reality. He is still learning this lesson because you can look at Paul and you can go, well, Paul has it all figured out because he's Paul. But Paul says, now, verse 12, not that I have already obtained this or am already perfect, but I press on to make it my own because Christ Jesus has made me his own. See, he desired to continue to grow in this beautiful reality. Why? Because Jesus has already affected this beautiful reality by calling Paul his own. See, it's not rooted in how awesome Paul is, how great his story was. That's not Paul's focus at all. It's in how awesome Jesus is. It's not that he has earned Jesus. It is that Jesus has called him his. And that's all that he needs to know. See, our temptation runs counter to that. It's backwards. Okay, that's it. I need to be awesome. I need to work hard. I need to prove myself more. I need to do better, do more. Get it together. Get my ass together. Figure it out. And then I'll be worthy, right? 
I was just watching an episode of Star Trek. I watched Star Trek. I was watching an episode of Star Trek and, and there's this religious leader from this alien civilization and, and, the, and she's saying, I need to earn the prophet's forgiveness. Like, she, like that, she says that throughout the entire episode. And I'm like, wow, that's fascinating, Star Trek. I need to earn forgiveness. But we don't earn forgiveness with Jesus. I don't know how it works with alien civilizations in Star Trek, but I do know how it works with Jesus. We don't earn it. And Paul's realized that. It's not earned, it's given. And then in verse 13 and 14, he continues. Brothers, I do not consider that I have made it my own, but one thing I do, forgetting, this is the most, this is the, the crux of where we're at for this year, forgetting what lies behind, ready for this, and straining forward to what lies ahead. If I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. See, this is what it truly means to turn the page forgetting what lies behind and pressing on, stretching out in the Greek, going after, doing so much work to pursue what lies ahead. See, this is what Paul has discovered. We could sum it up as simply the journey of sanctification. We talk about that word a decent amount here. If you don't know what that means, it simply means becoming more like Jesus, to become more of his character, to embody more of his heart and his love. This is the journey of sanctification that Paul has been walking on for decades now, of knowing Jesus deeper, of embodying more of his character, of allowing Jesus to work more through him. So we can feel so easily stuck on the same page of our story, whether it's patience, an addiction, a grudge, whatever that we can hold on to. Wondering if growth or transformation will ever happen. But what Paul says he has learned is to forget what lies behind. And he's not trying to say that that's simple or easy. In fact, he would be probably the first to say, this is really difficult reality work. This is the breakdown of the old self that he talks about throughout his letters. For Paul, his old self is his arrogant knowledge, his prideful tendencies, his wisdom rooted in self-idolization. Where the world would have said he was free and tracking along, he said, no, that was me being stuck. That is the old self. It reminds me of something that Martin Luther says, um, Martin Luther, the old reformer uh, from the 1500s, he said, he said it this way, the old self has been cast out into the sea, but that old guy has a tendency to rise back up to the top. Like it's been dead and cast out into the sea, but then it like keeps bobbing up back and forth. That's kind of morbid, right? But like, that's the old self where you're like, man, I don't want any more of that. But then it's like, boing, boing, boing. You're like, no, he's back. That's our tendency. That's us. That's Paul. So for each of us, it means forget. Now, what, forgetting what lies behind us is unique to you and to me very differently. For some of us, it might be exactly like Paul, where it's forgetting the prideful religiosity of your past. Now, this was a major one for me when I first came to know Jesus because of my background. But for some of us, it might be pursuing, continuing to pursue true and lasting healing in spaces of trauma. For others, it's forgiving yourself or others for past sins and hurts. For others, it's forgetting any version of wisdom or knowledge that doesn't ultimately draw you near to Jesus. And for someone else, it's complete, something completely other. But what I do know 
is that there's, there's something because all of us have a past. None of us were born perfect. That was Jesus. We celebrated that a couple weeks ago, right? For all of us, we have an old self. So what do we do? How do we forget what lies behind? And honestly, that's a conversation between you and the Holy Spirit, asking the Spirit of God to, to bring the realities up to mind, to bring up what is in your heart. What have you not desired? You're like, no, that's too big, hairy, and scary to mess with. I don't want to even like welcome that conversation with God. Like, no, do it. I promise it's worth it. I promise. But that's hard work. Now, I was thinking about um, if, if you have a laptop and you have your laptop open, you have like a beautiful background, like one of those uh, Apple backgrounds. It's like in like 8K and it's just like this beautiful panorama of my home country of California. And you're like, oh, it's so beautiful. I, it really is that beautiful in real life, I promise. Uh, and, and as you're looking at that, your background, your home screen, there's all of a sudden it starts to get hard to see it because there's all these icons that are popping up all over your display and it's kind of confusing and reducing the beauty of the background screen. Now, each day, those things of your past continue to pop up on your home screen like that, obscuring the image behind it. So each day we have to make the choice to, we either can let them remain there, but that's gonna only allow more and more to populate and the image to get more and more blurred. Or you can daily put them in the garbage, in the trash can on your desktop and press empty now. Now, the reality is they're gonna populate back up again tomorrow. They will, probably in five minutes from now. But it's a continual task of forgetting what lies behind. It's not a one-time thing. It's not a one-side-fits-all solution, but it is a, a worthy work of forgetting what lies behind. But not just emptying, because it's not just about emptying yourself or just forgetting the past, but it's because in that image, we are pursuing something far better, something newer, greater, better. And what Paul says is he has learned the importance of not only forgetting what lies behind, but straining for what lies ahead. I was thinking about the movie Space Jam. Uh, did you ever see Space Jam? Michael Jordan, the original. I mean, Mike, LeBron James one was fine, but like Michael Jordan, OG. Like that one is so good. And in, and in the movie, it's the final scene where he is playing against, uh, against the goon squad, you know, and he is going for that last slam dunk and he starts stretching and stretching and stretching and all the goons are piling onto his legs, pulling him down and he is straining. His tongue's out, beads of sweat dripping down down, his arm begins like a cartoon thing. And it's like stretching. It's like armpit hair is like stretching. It's all stretching. He is straining for what lies ahead. That's the image I get here from Paul. Straining. It's not haphazard. Now here's the thing. It is not Paul in his own effort, in his own goodness, pursuing after this goal. But it is also not him passively going, well, we'll see what God does here. It's him being an active participant in the modes of grace in his own life. And this is our opportunity. If you're just waiting for God to do a mighty work in you, that's not the way it works. But if you think it's you going and earning it or doing it on your own, that's absolutely not the way it works. It is a partnership between you and the spirit of God to transform you, to turn the page, to strain forward to what lies ahead. But that's not your own role. You don't have enough goodness to do it by yourself. And here's the cool thing though. The spirit of God 
wants to evoke change in you, wants to bring about the renewal of you more than you want it. Isn't that cool? Like he wants to grow you. He wants to partner with you. He wants to demonstrate his unfathomable love to you. That's good news. Even when it doesn't feel true. Now, this is what Paul has been sitting in. And the reason for all this, end of verse 14, I press on toward the goal for the prize. What's the, what's the prize? It's better than beating the goon squad. For the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. The goal is knowing Jesus more, discovering that call, discovering who he is in Christ. That call is worth all the effort. It's worth all the hard work. It's worth all the suffering, knowing Jesus and making him known. Paul continues, verse 15 and 16. Let those of us who are mature think this way. And if in anything you think otherwise, God will reveal that also to you. Only let us hold true to what we have attained. Now here's the thing. It's talking about maturity in Christ, to become fully mature in Christ. Here's the thing. We can live 50 years of a relationship with Jesus, but we recycle the same year of Christianity over and over and over again, never truly growing, just living like a toddler every single year. Or we could venture on an epic quest with the God of the universe that through, not just like through the next year, but through the next you know, lifetime, as long as you still have breath in your lungs here on this earth, to discover more of his goodness, his love, his kindness, the knowledge of him and allowing it to transform us. To be truly matured in Christ does not mean just attending church on Sundays. It does not just mean flipping over in the Bible every once in a while. It means drawing near, abiding in Christ, asking him to do a work in you. Because if you don't invite him to do that work in you, he's not gonna force himself. He's gonna give us so many opportunities, but will we be surrendered to that? To set aside what lays behind and to strain forward to what's ahead, the prize of knowing him. Now, when this ultimately leads is true maturity in Jesus. Not just knowing more about Jesus, but knowing Jesus more. Turning the page in the most beautiful way imaginable. Now, this is both an individual reality, but it's also a corporate one, one that we do as a biblical community. And the reason this is our vision for 2022 is because it's ultimately meant to be our vision each and every day, year in, year out, to know Jesus more fully. Now, as a church, this is a vision that we are, have the opportunity to participate into. Now, uh, back in November, uh, our ministry leaders, I, I circled them up for a Blue Sky session where we began to talk about recapturing the heart for why this campus exists. And there are three main, there are three simple realities that, that are the heart of the Disney campus. And they are the same three realities. They're they would, might strike you as quite boring, but they're the same three realities that have existed through the centuries to help the church to know Jesus more. The same three that have defined the true church for 2,000 years when it's living at its best, except ours has a slight WW twist to it. So with that, if you're a note-taking type of person, these are three things that you're gonna hear a lot about. And you've already heard a lot about these, hence why it might sound a little boring. But it's about, first off, making and being made into deep disciples of Jesus. 
at Walt Disney World and beyond. The second is to create authentic biblical community at WDW and beyond. And third, living on mission at WDW and beyond. That's it, those three things. Making and being made into a deep disciple of Jesus, creating authentic biblical community and living on mission. Like these are our, this is our playbook for whatever. Like this is what we are about. This has been what we've been about for almost 10 years. And we are going to continue to go back to the simplicity of this and living in it, turning the page so that we can put off what lies behind and pursue together as a community what lies ahead, which is Jesus more fully. Now, the last few years have been wild in every which way. And clearly COVID is not done making a mess of everything. But if we were to wait for a perfect moment when the culture is perfect, when our world is perfect, when everything is perfect to, do, to pursue after these three things. Guys, I don't know if you remember, but, bef- but before roughly February, like December to February of 2020, 2019, 2020. Yeah. Like we, we still didn't have a perfect world. Did you remember that? Like, like there was still a lot going on. This isn't to downplay COVID at all, but like this world has always been pretty messed up. So we can't wait until everything is absolutely perfect before we pursue after what God has for this community. So instead, we're going to do this safely, wisely, intentionally, but we're going to pursue these three simple realities, and it's going to be reflected in multiple ways in a community. So I want to bring us all together tonight so that we would be filled in and filled up to be ignited and excited for the ways that this is going to be played out, and you're going to continue to hear new ways that this will be played out in the future. But the first way, and the way that I'm going to talk about tonight, is our weekly rhythms that we have as a community. The first thing, as far as making disciples, being made into a disciple here at the Disney campus, our, our gateway into discipleship is simple. You've heard about it week in and week out. It's our Bible studies. Our Bible studies are the gateway into discipleship here at the Disney campus. Not at every church, but here at the Disney campus. That is our gateway into discipleship. If you're looking for the best on-ramp to grow in community, this is it. So like, if you're like, I don't know, that is it. Like this, it really is it. Come in, engage in the Bible studies. Because, not because the Bible studies are the, in the, um, the means in the end of themselves, but because in the Bible study space, you're going to begin to make relationships that can spawn um, outside of that group discipleship group opportunities, one-on-one mentoring opportunities. So with this, we're putting even more intentionality between, behind our Bible studies than we have even in the past where this has already been very vital for us. Bible study is going to be moving starting this month to start happening bi-weekly every other week on Tuesdays. And it's gonna happen right here at our campus building. Um, this is gonna allow us a multiple, multitude of things. One of the things that it will allow us is the potential opportunity to allow to have free childcare provided so that um, families like my own as well can come and participate in Bible studies. Um, Each of the tweaks though that we are making as far as like the regularity, the location, all of that has been very intentionally done to make it more accessible for our community to engage in together. Men and women in this space will have the opportunity to come together, eat some snacks, hang out, and then break up into different groups, uh, into their respective groups to engage in Bible study as well engage in life on life, just seeing how you're doing and really going into life together. 
Now, so this is gonna be every other week. Those non-Bible study weeks are gonna take place in two other formats. These are two formats that we already do. The first is in our community events. And this, hap- this includes our, um, our community dinner nights, things like Taco Tuesday um, that happen right here at the building. Uh, our, that hap- sorry, our Taco Tuesday events that happen in homes, as well as our community events that happen right here in the building. Now, this allows us a space not to give you the fullness of community experience, but it is meant to be an experience of authentic community so that you can go and create additional spaces of authentic community. They're not meant to be the ends of themselves, but a launching point for relationships for you to go and find and build relationships, not waiting for somebody else to do it for you. What this means is you are actually empowered to create community here at the Disney campus. You are empowered to invite people over to your own home for dinner, to invite people out to a movie night, to invite one another to go work out together, to go shopping together, to go visit the parks together. Don't wait for somebody else to create community. Invite one another in. Look for those who are marginalized and bring them in. If you're marginalized, look to other people and invite them in. Imagine if all of us were pursuing community together. There would be no one who would feel not cared for, not invited in. So community, building authentic community starts with you, with us together. The last space, even in talking about living on mission, can, will continue to be uncommon love. Uncommon love at WW is our training ground for living on mission. Do you get that? It's not about just going to the parks and hanging out with friends. It is that, and it's wonderful for that. But it is about being equipped to live on mission. That's a big deal. Like this is training camp to go and expand the story of the gospel in your world. Wherever God has allowed you to be, to step your feet into, this is where God has called you to live on mission, whether you work for Disney or not. We have the opportunity at Uncommon Love, we go to the parks, we encourage cast members, and we learn from one another how to engage with people intentionally. You have the opportunity to make Jesus known at Walt Disney World and beyond. These three realities are not optional. They're not optional. And they're not not optional because I said so, but because these are three realities that are close to the heart of Jesus. To make disciples, to live in biblical community and to live on mission are the things that Jesus called us as followers of him to engage in. So right now, here's what I wanna do. I wanna invite the band to come on up because these are the spaces we are gonna engage in not just from up front, not just on our social media, but together as a community. We are gonna do these things and not just so that we can check off, check off the religious checklist, but because in these things, we are going to engage more deeply with Jesus in community. We're gonna turn the page. We're gonna lay behind us where, from where we have gone and we're gonna pursue after what God has in our path ahead forgetting all that lies behind, straining towards the one who it lies ahead, Jesus, simply Jesus. So with that, here's what we're gonna do right now. Um, I'm gonna invite us before I pray, I, uh, before I close us in prayer, I'm gonna invite us to take a moment to pray for our community. I'm gonna invite you, whether this is your first time here or not, I would love your prayers over this community. Prayers over Walt Disney World 
and all the cast members and prayers for this year that God would do a mighty work in and through his church in our world. So let's sit in quiet for a minute and pray just that. Lord, we enter into 2022, a new year, realizing that you exist outside of time, that nothing that we went through in 2021 surprised you, that you were sovereign even over, even over all that we went through, all the highs and lows of the last year, and you are already seen and foreseen all that comes in this current year that we now have embarked into. You are the timeless one. You are the faithful one. You are the faithful one when we are the faithless ones. So we thank you for that. We thank you that you have gone before us. We thank you that you have called us to strive toward what lies ahead. So Lord, we pray for the strength to do exactly that, to lay behind what is in our past or even our present and to strive both as individuals and as a community toward the incredible prize of knowing Jesus and knowing him more fully. Lord, I pray that as a community we draw us to spiritual maturity in you, that we would abide with Jesus deeply and that we would know you with every fiber of our being. God, you are kind and you are faithful. So we start this year by laying it down at your feet as an offering, asking you to make it what you will. Take the circumstances, take the beauty, take the brutality, and use it for your glory. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.